Welcome to the podcast that brings you interviews, reviews, arts and entertainment news, all wrapped up in one place. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo. Coming up in this episode... My big interview is with the award-winning filmmakers of the Post Office Scandal miniseries that has literally caused a furore in the UK. But making it was really important to director James Strong. It was about kind of showcasing the best and the worst, if you like, of Britain. I didn't want it to be kind of too bleak, but also it had to feel real. You know, it's not a documentary, but you had to believe that these were real post offices and real people in their sub-postmasters' offices. I'll also be having an art to art with the writer who brought us the incredible Training Day. Still a top 10 favourite film of mine, David Eyre is the guy I'm talking about who is the director of movies like The Suicide Squad, Brad Pitt's Fury and the latest action movie from Jason Statham, The Beekeeper. You are a problem. Got them right, I'm a problem. Now, if you love your telly, you may be excited about the upcoming explosive second series of Trigger Point, a police bomb disposal drama starring Vicky McClure. Don't move an inch. I'll be having a chat with two of her co-stars, Nabil Al-Wahbi and newbie on the block, Natalie Simpson. So stand by for all these delicious morsels of arts and entertainment. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo. First up, though, a TV drama that has changed people's lives quite literally. Who could have known that Mr Bates vs The Post Office, a miniseries based on the 20-year-old UK scandal that bankrupted family businesses and ruined people's lives, could instigate real change following its transmission? From the former CEO of The Post Office, Paula Vanell's handing back her CBE, to Prime Minister Rishi Sunak describing the scandal as one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. Also, most recently announcing that the UK government will introduce new primary legislation, and I quote, to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are exonerated and compensated. Powerful stuff. No one else has ever reported any problems with Horizon. No one. You're responsible for the loss. I haven't got that money, and I don't know where it's gone. The four-part TV series Mr Bates vs The Post Office stars Toby Jones in the title role as one of the sub-postmaster victims who fell foul of the dodgy accounting software called Horizon, which miscalculated takings and led to over 700, yes, 700 post office submasters allegedly being accused of theft, fraud and false accounting. In the wake of this powerful series, viewers were left outraged, petitions have been created, and this is an incredible example of how factual storytelling can impact conversations in the real world. So I'm delighted and thrilled that I caught up with the filmmakers who are award-winning director James Strong and writer Gwyneth Hughes to get the lowdown on the series. But caveat, I did speak to them a long while before this explosive series aired. The computer system post office spent an arm and a leg on is faulty. No one else has ever reported any problems with Horizon. No one. You're responsible for the loss. I haven't got that money 
And I don't know where it's gone. The story of was heart-wrenching and scandalous and incredulous and all. I mean, there could be a number of adjectives I could use <laughs> to describe the story. But I wanted to know, first off, from both of you, when you came to this story in its original form, you know, when it broke, what was your initial reaction? I mean, I have to say, before I got involved in making this the, the show, I was aware of the issue. I was aware of the story, but I didn't know the details. I, I knew there was some question about the sub-postmasters and their accounting and did they owe money. But I didn't know whether they did or not. I was sort of just aware that they'd been accused of all of this and some of them had gone to prison. Um, but it was only when I when I read uh, Gwyneth's first amazing script that I realised the true extent of the horror of what is an absolute national outrage and a complete national scandal. And Gwyneth, how about you? Well, like a lot of people I talked to, actually, I, I shamefully didn't really know very much about it at all. I was sort of dimly aware of it. Was read, you know, read the odd thing in the papers, heard the odd thing on the radio. But when I did come across it, I think, this just sounds mad. This just sounds mad. How can this have happened? I don't know. And it's only when I started looking into it properly that I realised it really is mad. That's why it seems mad. It is mad that these people were were driven to, you know, suicide and the terrible things that have happened during the last 20 years to these blameless and really lovely people are just so shocking. And I think it was hard to understand the story partly because it's very complicated and involves lots of people and partly because it is just genuinely unbelievable. And that's a true story, you know, unbelievable. I think that's the crux of the matter, is that whilst you're watching this, you think it's a work of fiction. It's so out there. And and also you've got that kind of the small person versus this huge corporations. And you just feel like they're treading water, that there's no way that they could ever overcome all the accusations. Some of them came away, as you mentioned there, they went to prison, they came away with a rap sheet, which is awful. James, you've worked on so many incredible series. I could name a couple of them now, like Crime with Do Gray. I've spoken to Do Gray about the series before. Vigil with Saran Jones in Broad Churches another one lots of different styles and I wondered how did you come up with the kind of style and the look of this series Mr Bates versus the post office because I felt that was a really interesting very slow tempo there's lots of lovely beats in there that allow you to take in what you've just heard yeah I think that the um well there's a couple of challenges when when you decide how you're going to kind of visualize uh, something and you want to do the best possible kind of thing for the story really and for this for me it was about being careful to kind of make sure the camera just was 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 kind of clear and clean and and allowed the performances to kind of shine without doing anything too tricksy so i just kind of wanted to keep it simple and allow the amazing performances to kind of shine through but also sort of show this amazing country that that we live in because it was sort of we we were portraying the whole kind of length and breadth of Britain and, and the United Kingdom. So it was about kind of showcasing this, the best and the worst, if you like, of Britain. But it, I didn't want it to be kind of too bleak and too 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 grey or too grim. Um, a lot of these places are kind of beautiful little English towns where you wouldn't believe this sort of thing would happen. And so it was almost a bit like Broadchurch, actually. It was, was, was like a terrible thing happening in a beautiful place. But also the, 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 it had to feel real. It's not a documentary, but it, you had to believe that these were real post offices and real people working in, in, in their sub-postmaster's offices. These deficits were most likely caused by you. That is the post office case. All our hopes, all our savings down the pan. That was a lie. 
actually. My goodness, the casting is fabulous. I think Toby Jones is just an incredible actor, such a chameleon. But I found myself really also drawn to Monica Dolan as well, who plays Joe. Really, really brilliant. I mean, there's lots of amazing people in this. Ian Hart as well. Was Toby always the kind of main man for the job as Alan? Yeah, without doubt, um, Toby was the was the first choice. The wonderful thing about the whole project was that normally with casting, you'll have a list of people who you want to go to and one, two, you know, you might end up with your third, fourth choice. We got our first choice on every single character on this because everybody just want, was wanted to be part of oh, it. Fantastic. When you have an ensemble that, like that, then it sort of spreads out and ev- in every single role you end up with, with some somebody who just wants to be in it. Led by Toby, who, yes, I mean, you re- again, I read it and I was thinking there, there was no one else ever who could... I would, <laughs> thank God Toby said yes because if he said no, I genuinely don't know what where we'd have gone next. But <laughs> he he's so perfect to kind of encapsulate uh, um, Alan, um, along with all the rest of the cast who, who are, again, wonderful. We are fighting a war against an enemy owned by the British government, while we're just skint little people. Gwyneth, you've also worked on some incredible projects. You've brought some amazing series to the small screen as well. Tom Jones being one of them and The Girl with Sienna uh, Miller as well. Where do you start when you come to a story like this? Because obviously there's got to be a lot of factual information contained within it. Otherwise, you're not doing the story and the real story justice. And also, I'm imagining there's a lot of pressure because many of these people are still alive today and many of them really terribly affected by the trauma of this story. Well, it's very important on a project like, like this to um, gain the consent of the people that are, you're going to portray. And um, it's it's not just a you know one-off thing. It's not like you turn up on their door and ask them, you want to be in this film? <laughs> and then you go away and make it. You <laughs> have to keep them aboard. You have to make sure that you're treating them well, that you're, that you're treating their story with respect and telling it in a really true manner and that's a huge challenge in drama you know to stick to the truth um, when the truth can be quite inconvenient and difficult and all in the wrong order yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with this story that goes on for 20 years and some parts of it are incredibly technical you know computer stuff that leaves me absolutely cold you know but I had to learn enough about to be able to tell those parts of the story so yeah a huge number of facts a huge number of people uh, a real my, my poor brain you know it's um, <laughs> really fallen out of my ears at the end of the <laughs> but, but such a fantastic story to tell you know to try and the, the challenge was to try and tell this incredibly complicated and difficult story um, through the eyes of just a few people and make them stand for everyone who's who's been affected by it. Yeah, and it's really hard also, going back to the casting thing, it's actually hard to find actors and actresses who can really play convincingly very ordinary people. You know, they always look a bit like an actor, you know. So and we were just so blessed with this brilliant cast. They're just all fantastic. And all the people they pl- they played, the real people, thrilled with it. <laughs> thrilled with the portrayals and, and also thrilled, I'm very relieved to say, with the... Um, with the outcome, with the programmes we've made. Amazing. And so they should. I mean, as I say, I've only seen the first couple of episodes and it's absolutely fantastic. So congratulations to you both, um, Gwyneth and James, and thank you very much for having a chat today. Thank you very much. This is about the reputation of the post office. It's not. It's about people's lives, you moron. Finally, 555 of us now, ready to tell our stories. (laughs) 
You just heard there from director James Strong, who also directed things like Vigil and Broadchurch, and writer Gwyneth Hughes has worked on series like Vanity Fair and Tom Jones. What I can say about Mr Bates versus the post office is that it will leave you on the edge of your couch, your toes will be curling and your mind will be racing. Seriously, it's that good. So if you want to catch up with Mr Bates versus the post office miniseries, you can find it currently showing on ITVX catch-up service. But honestly, you won't regret watching it. It's absolutely incredibly put together. The dialogue, the performances and the tone is simply pitch perfect. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo. My question to you is, what's on your watch list? Please feel free to share what you're watching or listening or waiting to see or hear. It could be a theatre production, it may be a podcast, it may be even something on the small screen. We would absolutely love to hear from you. So feel free to find me on socials at Amani Mo, that's A-M-A-N-N-Y-M-O on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also drop me a line if you fancy it at art2artuk at gmail.com. That's art, the number two, artuk at gmail.com. We aim to bring you the creme de la creme of the arts and entertainment world. So, still to come in this episode of Art to Art, I'll give you a clue. Here, you're in serious trouble. Okay, that was a really bad impression of Jason Statham. But I am going to be talking about the action thriller The Beekeeper with the director himself, David Ayer. It had a mythology. This mythology of the beekeepers was very fascinating and magnetic. And then this plot that just kept growing and compounding with twists and turns. So I knew it would make a fantastic film. And I've got a brand new series to talk about. It's Dynamite, literally. The second series of Trigger Point has its finger on the transmission button as I catch up with two of its stars, Nabil Al-Wahbi and Natalie Simpson. Hello. Hello. Uh-oh, I think we've got a lively bunch here. Uh, <laughs> can you already tell from that? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be more from this rowdy but rather fun pair of actors later on in the pod. But now it's time to talk to a filmmaker who wrote one of my top 10 films of all time. Cop thriller, Training Day. Remember that with Denzel Washington? Well, it also won him a very nice shiny award, thank you very much, called Oscar. Writer-director David Ayer seems to revel in his eclectic choices of projects, with his most recent cinema release, The Beekeeper, starring Jason Statham, being a little bit different from the norm in that he's only the director, not the writer, for this movie. The Beekeeper sees an elderly lady scammed out of her life savings, and the Beekeeper, played by Statham, is out for revenge. Yesterday she shot herself. This is private property. Do you know what they do here? Scamming the weakest in our society. Buddy, I'm counting to three. One, two, three. There, I did it for you. I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. Having watched the film, I have to say, you tricked me a little bit, David, because the film starts and I thought, wow, Jason Statham, 
tried, maybe switched up the genres a little bit. Um, bearing in mind, I've just come back from a very long trip. So uh, the brain is still not engaged. And then, bam, he's doing exactly what he does best, but it kind of slowly escalates. And I absolutely love the pace of the beekeeper. In terms of the action, what is the most challenging uh, for you as a director bringing a story like this to the screen? Well, I think you said it in that it's it's really a setup. It's creating an emotional world, an emotional life. And, you know, Jason's such an action icon. We know he's going to deliver and, and it's going to be always, you know, spectacular to watch him beat up the bad guys. But to give that heart to it, to give that emotionality, to give that reason behind you know, the vengeance is, is something we don't always get. And I think, you know, by giving him motivation, by making him a true defender of the innocent, just adds so much enjoyment to how the film plays. Absolutely. And also, you're really vying for him. You know, you really want him <laughs> to act out this kind of brutality in a way, because the the fact of the matter is what happens to Felicia's character in the beginning, you know, in terms of conning people, that's a thing of right now, the, the whole scamming uh, scene. So it, it it does touch a little nerve as well. Absolutely. And and it's interesting because as actors and crew would, would come to work on the movie, it felt like everybody had a similar story of a friend or a loved one being taken advantage of. And I think the what makes these uh, villains in the film so vile is, is they're preying upon the best of us. They're preying upon that innocence. They're preying upon trust they're preying upon people with good hearts and and using that trust against them and it's it's painful to see but like anything it's it's rewarding to see a very bad bad guy pay for that beekeepers is a special program outside the chain of command i protect the hive when the system is out of balance i correct it we have laws for these things until they fail then you have me Move. Normally, quite a few of your films you've written yourself, and this one is different. So what's it like for you, David, to direct essentially someone else's script? Although I assume you kind of collaborated as well with Kurt on this. I originally read Kurt's script, Kurt Wimmer, and it had kind of the magical ingredients you're always looking for as a director. And it had a mythology. This mythology of the beekeepers it was very fascinating and magnetic. And then it had great characters and this plot that just kept growing and compounding with twists and turns. And as a writer and as a reader of a lot of scripts, you know, usually I'm 10 pages ahead of what I'm reading. And in this case, the script got ahead of me. So I knew I knew it would make a fantastic film. And it's interesting because my films can normally be, you know, intense and dramatic. And in, in this case, working from Kurt's script, it gave me permission to really have fun as a director and be a little more tongue in cheek and really explore a new space. The beekeeping side of things, lots of bee puns, lots of things that you can actually, well, take away as well, in a sense, learning about bees if you want to do that in a way. So I like that backbone as it were it was interesting because it, it's like bees are 
mystical little creatures. And really everything that exists around us comes from bees in the sense that, you know, it's even a line that Jeremy Irons has in the film that without beekeepers, there'd be no bees. With no bees, there'd be no agriculture. With no agriculture, no civilization. And the idea of the beekeeper as the first job or the enabler of of civilization, there's something very powerful about that. You're telling me one man did this. The only thing you know is he's a beekeeper. A beekeeper, a beekeeper? Well, that's not good. I wanted to ask you just on the writing front because Training Day is still one of my top 10 films. Such an incredible film. Amazing. Uh, Denzel as well is just on point. When you're writing films or even as a director... Is there something in your kind of almost like funny bones that says, yes, I've got a hit on my hands, you know? And I also noticed that you had a cheeky little cameo in Training Day as well, which I didn't realize. (laughs) Yes. um, I mean, it's interesting. Writing is a horrific job. (laughs) I'll be honest. (laughs) You're alone and and you have your keyboard and you're staring at a blank computer screen and trying to articulate your inner world. I I will say this, when I was writing Training Day, there there was a few moments where I had a sense of something greater than myself moving through me. Um, A sense of how, how is this even coming out of me? I knew, I knew I had something. I knew I had something special. Unfortunately, those those moments of sort of, you know, transcendence are (laughs) incredibly rare. but they do happen now, now and then. And, and it, it's interesting that they, they kind of sustain me. You know, it's running from mountain peak to mountain yeah. peak. Yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying. There are times where you're doing something or a piece of work and you just think, oh my goodness, where's this coming from? So I really understand when you say that, David. I mean, look, finally, Art to Art is the name of my podcast. And I wondered, we talk about a watch list and that's that to-do list of things from the arts and entertainment world that you've got on your list of things to do, but you just haven't got there yet. So I thought I'd ask you, David, is there anything that you're looking forward to watching, listening to, it could be a podcast or something that you haven't got around to yet, but it's on your list? Oh, wow. Um, I I sort of have a lot of things I'm always chasing or reading about. Um, Right now I'm reading about um, just the history of the British military. I just think it's fascinating Um, how an army can be developed technologically and and really take over so much of the world, really. And and where does that come from and, and sort of the honor and tradition of that? And then how does that carry through present day? So I'm, I'm always fascinated by that space. And also, believe it or not, musicals. I just love performance. I love singing. Oh. I love theater. Um, and I actually want to make a film. I'd love to make a musical. Um, <gasps> yes, just do so, it, David. That would be amazing. <laughs> it, would, it would be a stretch. It would be new. But there's such power in, in voice and song and acting in theater. And I just want to bring some of that to film. You've got to do it, David. Now I'm going to hold you to it. Do we, can we do a pinky promise? Okay. <laughs> we can do a pinky promise. Yes. I love it. Right. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> David, the film is absolutely brilliant and uh, all the best with the musical that you're doing next. 
<laughs> it may not be next. It may take a bit to figure out, but but I really hope people enjoy the beekeeper. It's just it's just good escapist cinema, and and it's fun, and and you know there's a lot going on in the world right now, and there's nothing wrong with uh, getting into the theater and just kind of forgetting all that for a moment. Absolutely, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Thank you so much, David. What a pleasure to have a chat with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We have to kill him before he kills his way to the top. Honey? It's flammable. I'm absolutely buzzing to be able to have chatted to director David Eyre about his latest action film, The Beekeeper. Yes, I really did say that. Starring Jason Statham and Jeremy Irons. It's in cinemas now. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Please do like, follow us, and share the love with your friends. You can find me on socials at Amani Mo, that's A M A N Y M O, on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter. Still to come, I'll be chatting all things Trigger Point, the TV police bomb disposal drama that will have you screaming, No! and running for cover. Well, almost. Actors Nabil Al-Wahbi and Natalie Simpson from the series will be joining me shortly. Plus, we'll have the usual uplifting musical outro at the end with my Nef Jam. Yes, meaning my brilliant nephew Luca has come up with a short jam for the end of the pod. It's time now for my final guests on the podcast. Actors Nabil Al-Wahbi and Natalie Simpson, who are appearing alongside Vicky McClure in Series 2 of Trigger Point. Don't move an inch. The second instalment picks up with senior bomb expert Lana, played by McClure, back from secondment but not yet on active duty. And then news breaks of a major bomb threat in London, so cue Lana Washington to pick up the pieces. What we got, boss? Looks like a trigger wire. I need to get a better look. IED confirmed. Hello. Hello. Uh oh, I think we've got a lively bunch here. Uh, how are you? <laughs> you already told them that. <laughs> I'm very well. How are you, Nabil and Natalie? We're fantastic. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah. good. Thank you. Chipper. Thank you. Chipper. Yeah. Chipper. That's a good good way to start any interview. <laughs> I appreciate that. And it's a very exciting series that we're talking about. I've been very lucky to watch the first episode. So that's in itself exciting. I'm going to start with you, Nabil, actually, because you were in the first series. So, you know, you're an old hand, a dab hand at this uh, trigger yes, point. Yes, yes. <laughs> I wondered, as part of the bomb disposal team working closely with Vicky McClure's Lana. Tell us a little bit about where we will pick up in series two, but obviously no spoilers here, Nabil. Well, firstly, thanks for having us. I know that we're, you know, I'm very excited about the show. I play Hass Rahim, Senior Expo, and what's happened is Lana's been away on secondment, and he has been running the show and quite happily taking charge of a stable ship, Calm Seas, no dramas. She comes back, it's all going to kick off again. (laughs) So we see how he wrestles with that 
position challenge. Like he has to now kind of relinquish the, the reins whilst at the same time caring about her and having respect for her and affection for her. Uh, and actually in more so than anything, being concerned for her well-being. I mean, we, you know, if you recall series one, she, she lost her brother. You know, lots of stuff has happened. And, uh, and you know, and he and has his concern as to whether she can she's really fit for the job so we see some of those tensions playing out and natalie of course you're the newbie in trigger point series two um kid on the block you really are (laughs) as ds helen morgan what's it like to get that call as an actor you can't really put the the feeling into words because as an actor you spend so much of your time it's normal it's part and parcel rejection do you know what i mean you spend most of your time knowing you haven't gotten something and you spend most of the year that way and then every so often you do get something and it's something you really wanted and you can't explain how exciting it is and then there are so many different stages the excitement there's you know you go in to do the read through it's your first day on set you get to see your trailer and you you know all these really cool and fun things and it was such an incredible experience and i um i loved it i'd really loved every second and i'm loving this we don't want to give too much away but just give us a little insight into helen so helen she is um a very ambitious very held uh, woman i would say she's dating Tom Youngblood, that's how she's introduced into the show. And of course, we know that Tom Youngblood is Lana Washington's ex from season one. So we already know that perhaps there's going to be a little bit of conflict there. But I think that Helen is someone that is uh, very professional. She doesn't want to let her personal life infect, I guess, her professional work. So um, there's the um, the inner, inner turmoil for her where she's trying to deal with, I guess, those aspects of her life as well as having to stop a terrorist attack that's spreading through London. Um, so, yeah, it was just a very exciting part to take on. Nabil, obviously, as somebody playing a role of a bomb disposal expert, there's got to be a level of accuracy. And certainly, you know, you can't portray everything accurately, but certainly I'm imagining there's a lot of research, a lot of training probably that goes into portraying the role of somebody who disposes of bombs because it is quite a specific thing to have to do. Did you ever go out with a real bomb disposal unit just to see how it all worked? Well, I mean, you're spot on. There does need to be some kind of accuracy in what you're doing because it just otherwise you're just kind of doing things and you're not confident that, you know, you're worried that you're not doing it correctly. We're very fortunate that the team had organised um some support through some ex-service um, people, some ex-forces, um, Paul Biddis and um, Joel Snar. And Joel in particular, is a, is, he is an expo. He'd done some several tours of Afghanistan and I was just working as an expert. And it, to have that experience, he was on set. He did some training days for myself and Vicky and some of the seconds like Danny. And we and would go through certain scenarios and would just give us a kind of like, you know, very basic run through what would need to be done. And, and he was just on call to speak to on the phone anytime what the experience was like like for me I was more interested actually as as well just to talk about some of the emotional um stuff that he would be feeling you know and that was kind of interesting because these these guys and girls you know they walk towards danger not away you know and that's pretty incredible this is a terrorist attack on the center of london stay still for me yeah oh my god oh, police! just deep breaths that's all you need today 
It's actually terrifying. Yeah. I found myself, you know, literally on the edge of the couch going, ah, you know, don't do it. <laughs> you want to say, don't do this. But <laughs> obviously you've got to. That's part of the role. And things go wrong, which we see in the first episode. And it's just such a, an, a really interesting way to capture the drama as well, not only on the relationship kind of front, but also to get stuck into this world. And I think that's what people really enjoy. Natalie. Natalie, what do you think the appeal is of Trigger Point and, and what can people expect from Series 2? I think the appeal is probably the fact that it has so many, it overlaps in so many different genres. You obviously have the uh, the action, which is maybe the main pull or the main draw, but then you do have the a bit of romance in it now, you know. I mean, it was there in Season 1 and now it's a bit more complex in Season 2. And um, I think the main thing is that there is just not a second to breathe. It is so all-engrossing. In- but not in the way that, you know, after a long day or whatever, you don't want to normally, you don't necessarily want to sit down and have to use too many brain cells. It's one of those that happily will, you know, it really will draw you yeah. along in a way that is comfortable but extremely uncomfortable, <laughs> if that makes sense. All at the same time. All I'm, at the same time. You know, I can concur. I think it's brilliant in that way. It gets your adrenals going, It does, right? it does. And, some, you know, we like to feel alive, yeah. but in a safe way. But are we safe? Ooh. Really? Are we? <laughs> are we? I'm not sure with you two, but, you know. <laughs> Tom, what are you doing? You should see this. It's all over the internet. Who the hell are these people? The terrorists are using very advanced circuitry, stuff we've never seen before. Finally, uh, my podcast called Art to Art, and we have a thing called the watch list. And the watch list is that to-do thing that's on your list of things to watch, listen to, uh, all of those things. So I'm going to ask both of you, Nabil, uh, I might come to you first. Is that cruel? To just give me one thing that's on your watch list. The bear. I mean, I actually did start the first ep and then I put it down, but um, I just it was one of those things. Just didn't have the time to go back to it. But that's you know, I hear such great things about this show, uh, so that's the one I want to watch. Plus, I used to w- work in a w- work in a kitchen and and you know, so I'm very familiar with that world. Uh, there's that, and then there's Boiling Point as well. I didn't see oh, the TV show, but that's so produced. good. Yeah, what well, a friend Hester Ruff. She, she's one of the producers on that, and I mean, I've seen her work right from the beginning to, to seeing that realise again another great show Stephen Graham leading that so mm, that's two good choices Natalie oh gosh um, well right now I am doing something called Japanuary which is a challenge um, to watch 10 Japanese films oh, wow. in, uh, in January yeah I'm on Letterboxd which is like a film uh, social media app it's not really so, well it is social media I guess Letterboxd that. it's brilliant it's really great and so what you do is um, there are just all these lists and right now I'm I've signed not signed up but I'm, I've got this list of all these movies that I want to watch and I think Tonight, I'm going to watch Audition. I cannot remember the uh, director. I apologize. I don't know. But, you know, if you look at it, it's, it's quite this uh, classic um, Japanese movie. So I will be watching that tonight. I have no idea what it's going to be like. That's but, amazing. Um, way too highbrow. That's oh, no. <laughs> Japanuary. I'm going to nick that. It's called Japanuary. I can't remember the last one that <laughs> yeah. I saw. Oh, I saw Rashomon. I hope I'm saying it right. Rash- that's, Rashomon. Oh, but, Rashomon. But that's the old film. Old 1950s or something. I mean, and that was um, really good. Um, Kurosawa. Is it? Yeah, Kurosawa. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Amazing. It was brilliant. That was really yeah. good. So, it, you know, if anyone wants to hop on, we've still got some days left yeah. in January. <laughs> Ten <laughs> Japanese films, get yeah. it done. Russian one's amazing. You see, I'm so glad I asked that question of you both. There you go. I love it. Well, listen, thank you so much, Nabil, Natalie, an absolute pleasure having a chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Take care. 
We've got a timer. Our actions must have set it off. Listen to me. Hard cover! You need to be still. You stood on a bomb. 30 seconds. Let's get away from there. Daddy, take the shot. Take the shot. Three, two, one. Trigger Point airs on ITV1 and ITVX Sunday the 28th of January at 9pm. But the good news is all the episodes will be available to catch up on ITVX. Well, that's it for another episode of Art to Art. I really appreciate you being here with me. Please do give us the thumbs up at Amani Mo on socials and share your love for the podcast if you're enjoying it. For now, it's Nef Jam O'Clock. Yes, it's a jam from my nephew, Luca, who's supremely talented. And you can check out his new music at Luca Mo Music on socials. to say a massive thanks to my brilliant guests, film director David Eyre, actors Nabil Al-Wahbi and Natalie Simpson, award-winning director James Strong, writer Gwyneth Hughes for Mr Bates vs The Post Office, and thank you to Luca Moe for the art to art titles and incidental music. Also, how can I forget, thank you to you for listening and supporting art to art Stay tuned for upcoming episodes bringing that showbiz sparkle and Oscar-winning guests. I pinky promise, till next time. See ya! You're listening to art to art with Amani Mo. This is your podcast that brings you interviews, reviews, arts and entertainment news, all wrapped up in one place. <laughs>